Episode 321 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Semenoff. We conclude our interviews with Wichita mayoral primary candidates this week with Brandon Whipple, the incumbent in this year's race. The mayor has been through quite a four years after first winning the job in 2019. I'll ask him about the highs, the lows, and what he would want to accomplish in a second term. Mayor Whipple joins me in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at the social media app TikTok. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you know what TikTok is and probably nothing else. Managing editor Shelby Kellerman and reporter Josh Witt take a fun look at how TikTok is being used by some Wichita businesses to grow in revenue and and name recognition. The TikTok of TikTok cover story begins on page 12. This week's list is childcare facilities. We know about the need for more childcare spots opening up in the community, but see who's out there and who serves the most kids. The list is on page 8. Our Young Professionals series returns this week with a look at standouts in real estate, construction, and design. Meet these young professionals beginning on page 17. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 29. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Mayor Brandon Whipple is with me on today's mayoral podcast as we conclude our podcast heading into the August 1st primary. Mayor, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. really appreciate the opportunity to be on your, your show. I'm, I'm interested in knowing whether you think this has been a fast four years or a slow four years given COVID, given everything that happened in the last election with the smear campaign and all that. Has it been quicker or slow? And a, a way to kick it off, right? Like, I guess we're really diving in. <laughs> you know, it, it's weird to look back on, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I feel like that first two years, uh, particularly, well, yeah, the first year where you walk into not just COVID, but really uh, the economic crisis with the max being grounded, uh, that happened the weekend before I was actually sworn in, and it threatened about 5,000 jobs. Uh, so, you know, you walk in, my first year of being mayor as, uh, and we are taking on the uh, largest public health and economic crisis and even budget crisis that we've seen in over a lifetime. Uh, so that first year, uh, uh, luckily, you know, my experience in the Kansas legislature, um, you know, really navigating through uh, tough budget situations, uh, I, I had that background so I could perform, uh, I think, better than uh, or was more prepared for this than uh, as prepared as you can be for such a crisis uh, than I think, uh, um, you know, others might have been. Uh, so it, it was it's quick because of those first two years were just so far removed from how my last two years has been. Uh, and that includes not just getting information out that, uh, you know, as we're navigating a crisis, but also being able just to attend events now, uh, being able to get out there uh, uh, and be around people again. So uh, it's, uh, at, at times, I think it, it goes by pretty quick, uh, but also, um, you know, the uh, uh, other times it feels like uh, we, we lost we, we lost a couple of years. I, I wonder if you if you ever came home late at night after those first few months in office and think, what have I gotten myself into with, you know, every mayor in, this, in the country was going through COVID, you know, implications and things like that. But being right on the job just a, just a few weeks is, is so, pretty amazing. Well, it's interesting because I, um, I mean, a couple of couple of things uh, I we all know that uh, or I think we all know that um, Endgame um, you know Avengers Endgame what was a big movie when, when I wound up uh, becoming mayor uh, so I used to make jokes about like what timeline are we on right like is this like, like does someone need to snap their fingers and we can get back to normal uh, and this is the timeline I get to be mayor is when we're literally juggling the uh, 
the most unpredictable crises uh, we could have at one point. Um, but again, I, I think that uh, when you look back on it, and my wife and I, we, we attend church and, and we were, uh, consider ourselves a, a fairly re- religious, uh, you look back on this and you think, um, you know, I'm put here for a reason, and my experience has led me uh, to be in this position. And so, so what is that reason? Uh, it's it's not to I, I think cave to the pressures uh, that we we saw, particularly with COVID and with the economy, uh, but really to persevere and to find civil silver linings uh, throughout that experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad now that you know we went through the, those year and a half, two years of just kind of craziness, and today we're on the other end of it, where you know our ba- budget's not only balanced, but uh, we have a $20 million rainy day emergency fund for the first time in Wichita's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're finally leading the state again when it comes to economic growth and opportunity, which is something that we, we haven't been. Uh, we have our unemployment uh, numbers are at historical lows. I was sitting next to Jeremy Hill, Wichita State's economist, uh, at one of our, our meetings and kind of asked him, hey, how do I talk about the economy right now? You know, is it comparable to like the 90s? Is it comparable to, you know, what's the best way to talk about this? And he told me, you're, you're in historical grounds right now that with the unemployment rate hovering as low as it is for as consistent with the amount of jobs we have um you know we we frankly uh we got out on the other end of this uh better than we were uh so that's really i i think the takeaway from my first two years of just craziness is, is okay now that we have gotten through the turbulence i guess and we're actually at cruising altitude uh how can we grow upon the opportunities that we were able to find uh in and other you know, in other way, just really crazy situation we were in. And it's re-election time, and you've been through a handful of elections in your time as a legislator and, and now mayor. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah, that's a way to put it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a believer that a, a, when there's an incumbent, that an election is all about a referendum on how that incumbent did in his first term, his or her first term. Uh, do you agree with that? And rate yourself give you either give yourself a letter grade or or one to ten how have you done in these first four years yeah i'm actually my worst critic so it's really tough to have me rate myself as i'm the type of person who i might perform well or you know achieve something but then i go back and i think about well how could i have done it better how could i have improved on it uh and i think that's uh growing up i I did martial arts competitively so that's that kind of uh, uh mindset that they instill in you is that you know, you can always get better. You're forever a student. Um, the moment you think that you are uh, at, at a high level is the moment you stop learning. Uh, so with that said, I, I think that my record should be really compared uh, more, more towards uh, less on feelings and more towards on um, uh, past performances. Uh, for example, not with the budget, uh, not only do we hold the line on taxes for we're going to have 30 years in a row that we haven't touched the mill levy, uh, but we were able to expand funding for uh, for police, fire, and public works. Uh, we were able to expand funding uh, to take on new crises, uh, such as the, the fentanyl crisis, and of course we're attacking homelessness to actually solve the problem of homelessness, not just uh, manage the problem. Uh, so I, I think that, um, you know, looking back on it, and I don't know when it comes to politics, because the difference between politics and policy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that if you look at the results and you look at uh, what we've been able to accomplish, uh, job growth with new industry moving to Wichita, um, and those are kind of fun stories, being on, in a room with, with uh, CEOs and then having them make the decision to move their headquarters to Wichita after those conversations. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of that gets kind of, um, I, I guess, looked over uh, in a... Uh, tight political climate, uh, especially when you have uh, interest groups who, who are going to hedge their butts on certain candidates. Uh, so, you know, is it a referendum on performance or is it going to be, I, I guess, a uh, campaign about uh, personality? Uh, that's what I think is going to be interesting in this race if I was looking at it objectively. Uh, but you, you really can't argue uh, with the results. I mean, it's not me saying that we have done all this stuff. It is Wichita State's economist. It is uh, our budget folks. It is um, people that you know we, we wind up in front of during town halls, uh, where uh, you know they're pointing out problems that we still have to address. But these aren't the major problems that I was elected to fix. Uh, now those problems, a lot of them, we have fixed or addressed. These are uh, other. Um, uh, problems uh, that that we should fix, but they're not, I think, to the same level as you know what I walked in 
looking to fix. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you sound like you're ready to run on your record, and that's great, and we'll get, we're going to talk about that. I don't want to assume that everybody knows your life story. Can you give me the 30-second... You want my life story? 30-second <laughs> version of your life story, how you got to Wichita in particular, and then I'm also interested in... How, how politics became a part of your life? Yeah, good question. Um, and I'll try to keep this as short as possible. Uh, basically, you know, I, I'm about to turn 41. Uh, I'm a millennial and uh, I was in college during 9-11. And I remember this wave of patriotism that really went over my generation. Uh, and I was looking for ways to serve, uh, to serve my country. And I couldn't go into the military. I actually tried and I failed an asthma test. Uh, so my second year of college, I applied uh, to be an AmeriCorps member, which is like a national service group. Uh, and I was sent to Wichita, Kansas uh, to work with at-risk youth at South High. Uh, and I was thinking I was going to stay for a year, uh, get my, you know, get my experience, do my service. And you also get a little bit of money for college afterwards. Uh, and as a first generation college student, that that grant, about $5,000, that, that was a big incentive for me. Uh, it was less money I had to take out in college loans. Mm -hmm. Well, when I got to Wichita, frankly, I was blown away with the opportunity that we had in this city. Uh, and I think a lot of people, when they visit Wichita for the first time, especially if you're from, and I'm from New Hampshire originally, uh, if you're from a coastal area, you assume that you know that Wichita is going to be what you picture a Kansas town to be, not a you know top 50 global city. Uh, so I came to Wichita, fell in love with the people, uh, fell in love with you know being in New England. People are a little less friendly, of course. Uh, fell in love with the opportunities here. I wound up uh, trying to take some night classes at Wichita State. They made me apply for the program. I couldn't just sign up. I did, I remember feeling like a little salty that weekend because it took the whole weekend to get through the application process. But because of that, they got, I got in-state tuition because uh, I came here to pursue a job, which meant that $5,000 uh, pretty much paid for my last two years uh, uh, at Wichita State. It goes a lot farther, yeah. Yeah, it, it was incredible. And I was going to be a social worker. Uh, so, you know, I, I got my undergrad and my master's at Wichita State, and I was going to be a social worker originally. And I got myself in a situation where I was um, working for a nonprofit, uh, and there was a child there who um, basically uh, was abused. And, and we knew this, um, but he was safe when he was with us. Uh, and apparently he acted out uh, in a way in which yeah, I think would be perceived not so much as um, threatening, but with the potential to be threatening to other kids. And he wound up getting kicked out of the program. And I remember going to my boss and saying, hey, look, can I keep a better eye on him? We know he's safer here. We know this is, uh, as uh, folks were looking into his background, uh, law enforcement to make sure that whoever was hurting him was out of his life. We knew that he was safe when he was with us. And my boss at the time told me, uh, it's the policy. Uh, the policy says if this happens, this has to happen, and not, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, so I actually, that changed the trajectory, trajectory of my life. I, I wanted to get into public policy. Uh, so I started, I switched into public policy uh, in uh, Wichita State, and then that naturally attracted me, I think, to um, candidates uh, who are running for office who shared my values. And then I learned that candidates who are smart keep policy people around them. Um, and I thought, well, uh, if I could ever be charismatic enough to get elected, but also have the policy background to be effective, I'd be a double threat. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, I, I wound up running for office, uh, served in the Kansas State House. Uh, during that time, I earned a doctorate uh, in leadership studies with a concentration in policy and law. Um, it took me about seven years to finish a four-year program, which shows, you know, it's about persistence, right? Uh -huh. uh, and, yeah, I, I got that under me and, um, yeah, helped uh, navigate uh, some of the issues we had at the state level for seven years before I ran for mayor. Now, when I ran for mayor, I didn't think I was going to win, all right? Like, I want to throw this out there. Like, my goal really was to talk about our values, talk about, you know, the opportunities that Wichita has, uh, and uh, hopefully, if, if I didn't win, um, any good ideas uh, live on with the person who does win, right? Like that's how you want this to work, is you create an environment where good ideas rise to the top and the good ideas are basically our, our, um, our free market principles, is if your idea is better than mine, I'm gonna go with your idea uh, because it's better. Uh, so, you know, could we get, my goal was to get some traction with some of these uh, future thinking ideas for uh, the future of Wichita. You know, and then you mess around and sometimes you find out and now, you know, I, I become mayor um, and, you know, the last four years is history. I'm, I'm curious, back in 19, at what point did you think, hey, I can win? 
So again, I grew up doing martial arts, and I did that competitively. Um, and I think if, if you could tell if you could see my size, right? Like I needed weight divisions. I'm actually not the tallest mayor in America, <laughs> but um, you know. With that said, I, I I was a national competitor, and I remember uh, at times being in a ring, thinking I just don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to get knocked out because um, if I'm knocked out, my mom's gonna lose it. I'm you know I'm gonna have a headache. And then you start get through that first round and you think like he doesn't hit that hard. And then you get into the second round and you think like, wow, I'm actually holding my own. I'm actually winning uh, and I could win this. And then the third round, you, you realize that you are winning. Uh, a lot of that mindset I had in my early 20s when I used to be a national competitor, uh, you relieve that in campaigns where uh, during when you were when I was running for mayor, I, I realized that people actually uh, uh, responded to these ideas. Uh, people actually responded to uh, you know, the, the fact that we could diversify our economy, that we could uh, create a, a Wichita where our young people uh, don't have to leave to follow their calling, right? They could get their piece of the American dream right here. And I think a lot of that uh, resonated in the last campaign. Uh, and you know, we, we, we made good on those promises. So, um, yeah, it's interesting uh, when you think you're you're starting to gain some steam. Of course, again, I, and I don't want to, this to come off as negative. I never think I'm winning. I always um, work as if I'm a point behind uh, because it, it makes you uh, it makes you uh, more motivated to hungrier, right? To, to frankly exceed expectations. That's mm -hmm. what you want. I want to exceed even my own expectations. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that um, was there a moment where I thought, hey, wow, we're winning, I, there was a moment where I knew that we were gaining traction, um, but I didn't actually expect that we're, we're going to win until the votes started coming in, and then we won by double digits. So uh, yeah, good question, um, but yeah, I just remember moments in the campaign thinking like, uh, you know, we're, we're getting traction, but is it enough? Mm -hmm. uh, as a student of public policy and, and obviously a, a, a political mind in there, uh, I'm, I'm curious, Whose, whose leadership have you tried to emulate over the years? Uh, is there a mayor? Is there a, a public servant that you thought, I, I really want to be like that person? So there's a few things. Uh, first, leadership is the art of working with people. That's one thing I learned. And politics is the art of working with people who don't want to work with you. <laughs> like, uh, like, I'm sorry, but in politics, uh, you got to work with people who are actively trying to, frankly, not work with you. And how do you get around that? When I was in the legislature, I took this mindset, and, and again, it's going to reveal that I am a, a older millennial, uh, almost Mega Man type mindset, which is that video game where if you used to beat your opponent, you, you would take their weapon, you take their superpower. Mm -hmm. So at the, in the legislature uh, on the House floor, I used to watch uh, um, other folks that I looked up to and I thought would have really great communication or really great uh, ability to break something complex down to something where normal folks like myself can understand it. Uh, or we're really good at listening or ask just uh, the right questions. Uh, and so my goal was always to somewhat absorb, uh, if I could, that, you know, if I stick with this metaphor of Mega Man, that, that superpower, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I make myself better uh, by, by learning for, from this individual? Uh, so when it comes to um, leadership, I, I think there's not just one person that I uh, look towards uh, as an example, but really uh, how, how have other people been able to navigate uh, somewhat toxic environments? Like, I'm not going to lie, the political environment is a bit toxic. It's one of the very few environments where I, I think it's appropriate to actually uh, uh, question the, um, uh, the the personal motives and morality of, of people you work with. You, you don't see that in a banking environment. You don't no. see that in, in other places. But anyways, uh, but how do you navigate through that to be effective? And in my role, uh, I, I, I don't celebrate meetings. I don't celebrate um, press releases. Uh, if you're going to gain a point, that means you, you made meaningful change. That means you advanced a policy or you connected a group of folks to a, another group of folks who, who uh, can now collaborate on a solution. Uh, you score points by actually getting a ball across the line, uh, not just making plays. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, to your question, there are a lot of folks who I have um, observed both in and out of what we would consider the political arena uh, and learn from. And then, you know, holding myself to a different standard where you might have someone who can do a just a banging um, uh, tweet that everyone loves, right? That's just, mm -hmm. oh, wow, it's, it's, going, it's going viral. 
but that same tweet doesn't turn into actual policy change. Uh, in my mind, that's more clutter uh, than it is uh, uh, progress. Uh, so um, I, my, my, when it comes to leadership, my goal is to learn from those around me, but also be able to apply that skill set uh, to see measurable results. I, you know, as a Democrat in a, in a Republican-led state house, you, you learn your political chops, I'm sure. Then you come into city government with, with a strong manager form of government. Uh, and I'm curious, when you walked in and got your feet wet, and especially as COVID was just kind of breaking, uh, talk about the culture and, and the acclimation process. So it was interesting, and it's a good question. I, I'll try not to get too uh, too off on a tangent on this. Uh, in a legislative environment, it's a partisan environment, meaning that we wear our partisanship almost like a jersey. Uh, and that's because the government is set up based on how many members are in which party. So if you're in the majority party, in our case, the Republicans, that means that all the chairmanship is going to be Republican. All vice chair is going to be Republican. The Speaker of the House is a Republican. That's It's organized based on um, political numbers, basically. Now, at the uh, local level, we're not based like that. Like Our government, as you mentioned, is already set up. Uh, we already have a city manager. We already have department heads. And so I would say our partisanship from the bench is more on our sleeve than as a jersey. It's a reflection of our values. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, stepping into this position, the House actually did a good job preparing me for it because in our form of government, uh, the mayor is not an executive. Uh, you know, I'm not like a quasi-governor type figure at the local level. Um, I'm a member of the legislative body, uh, which means more, I'm more like the Speaker of the House when I run the meeting than mm -hmm. I am you know, a separate, uh, I guess, a separate branch, uh, which is something the Speaker of the House and the Kansas House, they also only have one vote, uh, but they also have the last say on a lot of things, right. and they can bring items up for debate. Uh, so I, I think that uh, in my experience, uh, you have to work with people because you've got to get the votes in the end, and I'm proud that regardless of people's personal political identification, Nearly everything that we've done that has sparked uh, external public debate, anything that we could see as uh, at first being controversial, passed with a bipartisan uh, uh, vote that was also nine times out of ten gained more support in the end than losing support. Uh, and so I think that's a victory as well. Now, I will say it's weird to be a Democrat uh, in, uh, in Wichita because, and I'll just tell you why, like when I was a Democrat running for the state house, uh, I, I, um, every layer of government that touched my district was represented by Republicans. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knocked a lot of doors and, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm an economic development Democrat. I'm the, uh, I, I believe that education is the pathway towards opportunity. So I want to invest in people and in educational opportunities, uh, which makes it a little different than some of my counterparts. Uh, but, um, you know, if you do it right, uh, it, it's not about political brand, it's about ideas. And uh, when I meet people, and get back to my, it's kind of silly sometimes uh, with these encounters of being a Democrat, um, I get folks who will come up and say, you know, I really like you, but I, I doubt we agree on a lot of things because you're a Democrat. And I kind of smile because like, like, we actually might agree on a lot of things, um, you know, and, you know, I married into a Republican family, uh, and being from New Hampshire, being a swing state, you know, we're very focused on issues more so than I think on political branding. Um, so I, I have to remind myself that sometimes I'm an ambassador for my own party uh, because I'm meeting people, and I might be the first Democrat they've ever met or, or talked to uh, you know, socially. Uh, and, and that's interesting to, to say, because of course, you know, uh, um, it's, it's just might be a weird thing to say, but sometimes I leave these conversations thinking just the, and most people are, are very nice. They, they're just really interested, I think, in uh, diverse political viewpoints uh, in where I stand on, on issues. So these are fun interactions. I, this is one of the last candidate podcasts we're taping. And I will tell you that even though most haven't aired yet, that a complaint that, that candidates have is that l this local government is too partisan. There's too much partisan politics. Do you agree with that? Do you think they're aiming at you when they say that? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't understand how anyone who's a top-tier candidate 
could make an argument that this is too partisan when they all have either partisan special interest backing or quasi-partisan special interest backing, such as interest groups that basically behave like a party. And partisanship at the local level, again, is a reflection of values. Uh, so if you want to say there's too much partisanship because we're going to hit functional zero for homelessness, uh, particularly among veterans within the next year, uh, okay. Uh, you know, are we too partisan because we, um, I, I guess, uh, diversified our economy uh, and brought in, um, you know, the tech sector to complement, uh, you know, our manufacturing sector? Uh, I, I would argue no. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that people will take a shortcut uh, as they try to win this office by just trying to carve it up as right versus left. The reality is it's going to be a lot more complex if you jump into the issues and the progress because there's really not a Democrat or Republican way to do 90% of what we do, which is like filling potholes, right? Uh, so um, I think that uh, I'm wary of people who will say, well, this got too partisan because the mayor values uh, diversity or because, uh, and I'll point out that, you know, my first two years, uh, there were two Democrats uh, on on the council and we still got stuff done um, and, you know, some big stuff done. And now, yeah, it's a majority millennial, uh, which means it's, it skews progressive um, and we get stuff done, um, you know, with a bipartisan fashion uh, nine times out of ten. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get confused by that, but I think it's more of a tactic uh, to try to, um, to to try to win over support. Uh, but to be so anti-partisan uh, that you're excluding people who have uh, participated in party politics in the past is its own ideology. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you just created, you know, if you're against left ideology or right ideology, so you create an ideology that is anti anything that you believe well you just kind of created your own ideology (laughs) like you just kind of put yourself in a corner didn't you uh so the reality is we got to step out of thinking like they do on i i guess on on national news right where they divide us up into i would i would call it uh uh, football teams my dad's a big patriots fan i know i just lost votes by saying that but um but he's one of those guys where Belichick is never wrong. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady has never done wrong, right? No matter what the evidence is. And I use him as kind of an uh, example of hyperpartisanship. Uh, it's when you can't even recognize that your team might have committed a foul. Uh, and that's not where we are at the city council. We hold each other accountable. Uh, we're looking at the results. We're focused on data. Uh, my goal in the local level is to not just find a, a, a solution to a problem, but uh, to, to ask what is the solution and let the answer drive us either right or left. Uh, I think a lot of folks in a legislative environment, they come in with, we have this problem and this is the left way to deal with it or this is the right wing way to deal with it. And the reality is, you know, you, you got to start with the question before you come up with the solution. And that's something that I, I see different on the local level than I did at, at the uh, state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these, rest of these questions will be business related, but I do want to ask about overall priorities for you in a second term. Uh, and I'm sure that includes crime and police as well as homelessness. Yeah, I mean, really good question is a couple things. First, we've done stuff over the last four years that people said we couldn't get done. Uh, that includes, um, you know, the, the amount of money that we were able to invest in police and fire. Uh, our officers and our firefighters now have higher pay than they've ever had uh, in the history of our city. We have more officers on my watch uh, than we did before I was elected. Um, and we really have the blueprint now to, to create uh, the, you know, the greatest police force uh, in the Midwest. And that's uh, including our two-year uh, process for state-level accreditation, which for the first time ever we're seeking that. And of course, on the firefighters, we have a new analytic system where we are really getting down uh, to the specifics of expanding uh, services so that as Wichita grows, we can make sure that uh, you get a fire truck, God forbid if you need it, there at a reasonable time. Uh, so we're you know making those adjustments. Uh, so a lot of it has been how do you improve the services that people expect, but then how do you make strategic investments in the future. Uh, And I think that we could really make a dent when it comes to uh, solving chronic homelessness. Uh, That is 
something that people have said that they wanted to do, but we really haven't uh, taken a, a deep dive into the best practices. And I got a $9.5 million plan to get us the one-stop shop uh, where folks can go for services that is going to be uh, the, the, the uh, standard, uh, you know, the actual policy standard. It, it sounds like there are multiple homeless plans right now. Uh, is, there, is it going to be a matter of getting everyone on the same page? No, they actually uh, synthesize these plans, um, and it's because homelessness is more of a spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, you have some folks who need basically services to get them to back on their feet, and then you have some people uh, who need um, uh, we, we consider mental health uh, or substance blah blah blah. Anyways, <laughs> the uh, substance abuse um, yeah, treatment as well, uh, and then you got some folks. Uh, who, who frankly don't need as much services. Uh, they need access to affordable housing maybe. Uh, so the plans actually correlate when you bring more people to the table. Uh, so when we talk about homelessness, uh, we aren't, we're talking about not swerving into the lanes of some of our providers, but actually coming alongside them uh, and complementing the work that they're doing. Uh, and again, we're not the only city that, that has uh, approach this problem with, with a solution mindset other cities have as well and when I say best practices I'm not gonna lie we're, we're actually stealing plays that work for, from other cities nothing That's, wrong with that right you know like so best when anyone elected talks about best practices it means well this city did it their way we're gonna learn from their mistakes and their success so that we can avoid those mistakes mm -hmm. now the other thing I think we should be focused on in the next four years and if I get my final term uh, is to make sure that we have a public transit system that is actually reflective of a top 50 global city like we are uh, so that's another thing that uh, and I have a plan to have more of a regional uh, uh, perspective with this where we can use our public transit not just as like a safety net like right now I think it's seen as a safety net your car breaks down you can get to work if you leave two hours ahead of time uh, but let's make it an actual service that that people uh, particularly the next generation who's very interested in, in um, public transit uh, not as a safety net but frankly to get your steps in to do some people watch and to play on your phone on your way to work uh, that type of stuff well, well how do we uh, uh, compete with other cities that already offer that and we're gonna have to make some strategic investments and come up with a collaborative solution to uh, attack our issue when it comes to transit as well mm -hmm. so I think homelessness and also transit are two big issues people have focused on the past and haven't got done which is why they're the most intriguing to me you mentioned the 20 million dollar rainy day fund that that the city has right now but everybody's saying that 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 budget shortfalls are coming in 2025 we're looking at a a, a deficit in the teens I guess is what the is what they're saying if anyone tells you that we have a 15 million dollar deficit they're either lying to you or they haven't checked the most recent projections and either way it means that they're out of touch with what they should be in touch with if they're running for mayor then then in 2025 what kind of budget challenges will there be specifically so and i appreciate the the comment and i, I actually again less than two weeks ago we had revised budget projections that show that we are not at all facing a deficit uh, and, and it's important because you got to know, especially if you want to do this job, you got to know that budget numbers and revenue estimates, uh, these are, are um, the, these, these are dynamic. They're not static. Uh, so you don't make a plan for not this year's budget, which we already balanced, uh, or even next year's budget, unless you actually have that time in between to go out to the public and say, hey, what's working and what's not, uh, to actually go and bring in department heads and say, what do we have for the grants coming up? What grants aren't coming? What, what are we getting that's extra? It's dynamic. So again, not only are the projections that people are citing, which I think are, you know, if not last quarter, the quarter before, um, we've already closed that gap uh, because we, we have revised um, uh, estimates uh, that are coming in because, well, frankly, the economy is doing a lot better than people thought. Um, and, you know, and we can close the gap when it comes to uh, our budget where we have, let's say, job openings that have been uh, listed for the last few years but never got filled. Okay, well, now the department head saying we don't actually need that anymore. Uh, so the thing is, you can't say that we're going to be in a budget deficit 
if you're paying attention to Jeremy Hill over in the economist side, who's saying that Wichita has exceeded uh, expectations when it comes to um, when it comes to leading this the state in economic growth and opportunity, um, we're just we had 1.5 billion dollars of uh, raw economic impact from tourism last year. We broke a record. We're a top four city now for people to come in and visit uh, dur- during the summer this year. Uh, so top four for. For uh, oh sorry, top four um, for um, uh, cities to visit, tourism for cities to visit uh, for people to visit uh, in the in the country. Did you not see? You guys didn't report on this. Um, I think it was Wallet Hub that did the analysis, and we're okay. a top destination, uh, particularly in the Midwest, for people to come in and actually visit, uh, which makes sense if you go out and you check out our, uh, not just uh, our, our restaurants, but also um, if you look at the amount of youth sports and tournaments that we've been able to bring in, again, $1.5 billion in tourism last year. That's over $200 million of sales tax going to the state and local level. It's the equivalent of over 2,000 full-time average paid teacher salaries that Wichita did in one year alone. So. Yeah, not only our budgets. Uh, again, you got to compare it to the to, to the revenue, which is the economy, um, but also you have the expense side, which we control, and we've already closed that gap. And I, I'm a little salty when candidates still use an outdated number or statistic to try to say that we're in a some type of a hole three years from now, uh, because you know we, we've always been able to close that gap. If you have someone leading our city council, uh, who knows what they're doing. Uh, and you know, someone like myself, I was the ranking member on a Commerce, Labor, and Economic Development Committee, uh, which means that for seven years I had a front row seat uh, to the creation of the type of incentives that we use to spur economic development. And then as mayor, uh, you know, being a part of our economic development delegation, going out into Europe and being at the table with some of the biggest um, uh, companies in the world when it comes to space and uh, aerospace and also uh, um, satellites and drones and those type of companies and bringing them into Wichita, bringing those contracts into Wichita, we're seeing the results of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if there is no revenue shortfall ahead of us, then how do we get projects going on the east and west banks of the river? So the West Bank of the River is actually somewhat taking care of itself, which is incredible because you're, you're seeing government, we don't just spend money, we invest money. Uh, so you're seeing the investment of um, the, uh, the uh, ballpark there and then also that district kind of building out because of the ballpark. Uh, so I think we're going to continue to see more, um, more mom and pop shops opening up in that area. More Delano's really taken off economically. And I think, again, it's because not just the ballpark, but really uh, the folks who are able to go into that space because of that ballpark. What's happening with the hotel and it's supposed to be adjacent to the river? So the hotel is uh, because, and this is another thing that's interesting as mayor, is you know, past mayors might have had plans in place uh, and then things happen. You got to make sure that the problem continues or the problem gets fixed uh, so the plans can continue. We do know that with COVID, the previous owner of um, of the wind surge passed away, sadly. And then the new owner took it over for a, a year and he has since sold the company, which puts a lot of those contracts uh, just kind of up in the air. Um, we are uh, working out a deal to make sure that that hotel is still being developed uh, in hopefully as quick as possible because uh, a lot of the funding formula revolves around people being able to stay there and spend money there as well. But we have exceeded uh, expectations in other areas when it comes to folks spending money and using those areas. So we're not in any type of issue at this point uh, when it comes to the slowing down of, of that hotel. Has that, has that frustrated you, that process? No, like my job is to solve problems. So I get kind of excited with problems, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, although it's not good, right? Like uh, I, I think that we, the previous mayor and council really stepped on the gas when it came to um, developing that ball stadium so that we can start getting that revenue uh, and pretty much lever- leveraging the excitement as well. And then, of course, COVID hits, and the whole year is lost. Uh, so we're, you know, you're already behind a year, but you spent more money trying to make sure that it was prepared for that year because no one can predict a global pandemic. Uh, so, well, and then, you know, we get into the room. Well, how do we, how do we solve this? How do we fix this? And I think that a lot of folks might not know 
we were in a very bad situation where we could have lost our team. Uh, where you know, when minor league baseball started actually cutting teams and used COVID as pretty much a transformational moment to make big changes, we could have lost our team, uh, and we did it. We were able to save it and, and to keep it going. Uh, and you know, you did ask about the East Bank, and that's around Century Two. And I think that um, you know, some of the new designs, uh, they're they're quite costly, and it's going to likely take um, more engagement with the public, possibly even a vote uh, for maybe a temporary sales tax if people want to go the route of the, uh, like we did with the arena, or, um, you know, we would have to find some other type of uh, funding mechanism using a state, uh, a state uh, program. Mm -hmm. But the East Bank, if you Go forward with the new plan, which um, the four hundred million dollar plan. Four, yeah, four hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. It's basically it's half the cost of the last plan, uh, but it's about five times the cost of the baseball arena. It's mm -hmm. more than twice the cost of the the uh, interest bank arena. It's it's a lot. It's real money. Uh, we're about seven hundred to eight hundred million dollar organization uh, over a year over at um, yeah, at City Hall. That's for everything we do. Uh, so you're talking about something that is the equivalent of everything that we do in a full year over at City Hall. Uh, so it's really got to be about um, lining up the, uh, uh, well, first, what do people want to see in that area? Uh, so setting the expectations, setting the goals, and then lining up the funding source in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. What do you think has to happen for, you know, part of this $400 million plan, the latest iteration, is no performing arts center in this area. Will that have to be done by private investment, and where would you like to see that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the big takeaways um, from the, the current plan is what about performing arts? Uh, because Century 2 would be basically repurposed, and we do know that Century 2 aren't uh, – isn't the most modern facility for arts, of course, performing arts in particular. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out, I mean, this is a detail, of course, but it's a big one. Uh, so you got to figure out the details of what are we going to do, not only to ensure that we're getting a performing arts center. It sounds like the nonprofit community uh, and folks are interested in donating the money and to have that be separate from a city, uh, I guess, a city-owned building. And that's great if that works out. Uh, we also have to make sure that our performing arts organizations don't go dark. Uh, so, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can't cut them out from Century Two uh, if they don't have another place to go because that's just just awful for these organizations. They wind up losing donors, they wind up losing members, and that's how uh, these organizations die. And Wichita, one of the things that we have going for us that really sets us apart is our performing arts community, uh, is the fact that almost every show on Broadway has someone working either on stage or behind the stage from Wichita. Uh, and we are, you know, th this incredible uh, art city, uh, even though, again, I'm not sure if we give ourselves enough credit for it, but I know that we are. Uh, so we got it, it's because of these nonprofits that work in these spaces and the, um, our uh, relationships with those uh, nonprofits that allow our residents to be able to have these opportunities. So, I mean, really good question. I think before the council, before we're able to move forward on any plan, we would definitely have to have that performing arts piece, uh, not just figured out, but already on its way, on already its way. started. Mm -hmm. uh, and not to be forgotten in downtown's future is a $300 million biomedical campus that's a that's a collaboration. Between Wait, you guys know that's going downtown? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell anyone this, but yes. If you'd like to drop the address here, no, that I'm, would be fine. If it is to go downtown, uh, I mean, it, and let me talk about that for a moment, because really, you know, when I ran for election last time, I said, Wichita's what we make it. You know, it's beyond just doing what we do the entirety of our history, but building upon that success. And one of the things we do incredibly well is higher education. And I'm not sure if we get ourselves enough credit with this, but higher education uh, with WSU Tech, with Wichita State, even with the GED programs that plug all into this, uh, we just have this phenomenal um, pathway towards education that is hands-on, but also uh, uh, you know, mixes in a good amount of academia. Now, for the first time in over 100 years, Kansas got a new medical school, uh, which is the medical school that uh, opened up uh, downtown just a couple of years ago, uh, and we are now bringing in and training doctors for, from across the country who are coming to Wichita, which is great for me because, you know, if, if your spouse, let's say, is a student 
uh, over at our medical school, uh, which is the second medical school now that Kansas, <laughs> I mean, Wichita has because of KU, um, that, you know, and you're going to be here for a few years. I, I think if, if you experience Wichita for a few years, you got a really good shot of staying in Wichita. Uh, once people, so we're, we're going to not only get new doctors coming up, but also their spouses and their children will be bringing their talent, time and talents to Wichita as well. Now, when it comes to the biomed campus, and I love the competition here because I think there is a little bit of a competition where you get the medical school that's private, nonprofit, and then Wichita State and KU come together and basically, you know, like hold my drink. Uh, and they want to collaborate, take advantage of this one-time moment with federal funds coming in because of COVID to collaborate on a biotech center. Now, when that happens, uh, Wichita, particularly Central Wichita is going to be the medical training and medical research capital, not just of Kansas, but of any state that touches us. We'll be comparable to Dallas at that point. And this is huge for a few reasons. Obviously, you want more doctors. That's a great, great thing to have. Um, but also, you're going to drag in more, more people again who, you know, spouses attending this school. So now I'm here, and while I'm here, I'm going to start, uh, do, do a business startup. Uh, so we, we're helping our population. And then also, it's a, uh, it's a plank to our economic diversification platform as well, where when people actually, when the economy's down, back in 2008, when the economy's down, for example, we saw an influx of people going back to grad school uh, or staying in school. And that allows uh, folks to secede from the free market for an amount of time to go level up, to get their skills sets to, to the, you know, ready to pivot, uh, and you can take out federal grants and other stuff to get that done. Uh, so the more we expand into higher education, particularly in our core, uh, the more diversified our economy is as a whole, because now we have people coming in for higher education and they're not, you know, they're, they're living off scholarships and other things. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're paying rent, they're going out uh, shopping, they are uh, attending our restaurants. So, you know, there's a lot of really good benefits to that. What should the city's role be in any kind of financing or, or tax breaks for this biomedical campus? So usually how we do, again, we don't spend money, we invest money, uh, which means like if I give you a dollar, I'm going to expect $2 back. Uh, and that sounds unfair, but you know, when you're a city of Wichita, you can have that type of leverage. So what we do is we run, if we are going to, let's say, hypothetically, we um, give them a parking lot to build their, uh, their campus on. Um, basically, we'll take that parking lot and say, we won't give you, we won't make you pay uh, property tax for the next five years, the next 10 years, so long as you do this with it. Uh, so long as you create this many jobs or, so, or, or whatnot. We run it through the third party, which is, you know, Wichita State, uh, their economists look at it, and they spit out a number for us. And they tell us if you, for every dollar that you forego property tax, charging these people property tax, you get $2 in economic uh, impact, which means people spending money or, or uh, people uh, spending money because they got a paycheck or because you're, you're spending money because you are uh, building this thing, right? You're out there buying supplies. Uh, so, you know, right now we're getting nothing off a lot of that land. So the incentive only comes, again, if for, for property tax uh, or sales tax um, uh, cut, uh, if you are building the, the thing that is going to, after five years or 10 years, it's going to actually not only pay for itself, but add to our, our coffers, add to the budget in general. And that's why we keep property taxes down. We have an invested interest in growing the economy. So if I can get more people out taking their significant others out on dates, uh, more people spending more money because they're making more money, more people coming into the city, paying rent, uh, paying taxes, that's how we expand services responsibly. And that's how government doesn't get ahead of itself. But again, that's going to be the discussion. Uh, if downtown happens to be the place where this med uh, medical center goes, uh, is, okay, well, what, what are the numbers showing? And I'm pretty sure it's going to show that there's a huge economic benefit uh, of creating this, this incredible facility, uh, not just in Wichita, but in our core. Mm -hmm. uh, you said in, in 2019 that under your leadership, Wichita would be more friendly to those who want to start or grow a business. You called it the Department of Yes. Um, do you feel like that's been the case? 
So at no time in our city's history have we invested more money uh, into small business growth and development and entrepreneurship than we have on my watch. We're the only city uh, in Kansas and possibly the Midwest that took American Rescue Plan funds, ARPA, and instead of spending them on ourselves, we turned them into grant money, again, for nonprofits that are currently working in these spaces. Now, what's different from, I think, 2019 to now is I think in 2019, my thought was more how do we become, I guess, our economic development uh, team become more of, of a uh, service center. Uh, however, once I became mayor, I realized that there were a lot of organizations that are already uh, uh, pursuing this almost service center type um, uh, services, I guess, for lack of another word. Uh, and so our goal was, well, how do we come up alongside them uh, to make them more successful, particularly post-COVID. Uh, so we've done that. Uh, we've gotten into, there, there are particularly communities where, um, you know, for example, Empower Evergreen, a uh, community uh, that is uh, in our heavily Latino area and, um, you know, are really have their finger on the pulse of uh, what the entrepreneurs in that community are looking for. And we're able to uh, give them, I, I think, almost $2 million uh, to create a, um, a, a uh, it's a it's a uh, center for entrepreneurship, but also they have they want a kitchen, a kitchen that can be certified uh, by the state, so that people could take classes or they could use it to sell salsa to create uh, different type of dishes that they could sell at our farmers markets. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we also seen um, with uh, Propel microloans uh, that we're able to get past thanks to Councilmember Johnson, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, which allows kind of that gap uh, funding for small businesses that really need, you know, anywhere between a couple thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars where their only options are usually high interest credit cards. Uh, so we actually have microloans now that uh, go out to folks who, who apply for them uh, and who qualify. Uh, we gave a hundred thousand dollars, I think, just a couple of months ago to the Wichita Independent Business Association because they were launching programs that help uh, not only uh, women businesses and minority-owned businesses, but very small businesses, like folks with like a handful of employees. Uh, and he had this incredible mentorship program. Uh, so when it comes to investing, I think, in our business community, uh, not only have we done it, we put our money where our mouth is, uh, but frankly, we see the results of it. Um, you know, the overwhelming majority uh, of new jobs created in this country are, are coming from mom-and-pop small businesses. And we're seeing that. And, you know, our goal is to figure out what can we do to help continue to create the environment and invest in those type of organizations and efforts. Look back four years and tell me about what you think your biggest regrets or mistakes have been as mayor. You know, um, my biggest mistakes uh, and regrets, a uh, couple things. Um, yeah, I think that uh, there are situations where um, I could have uh, been possibly more friendly, uh, possibly less uh, uh, less high strung. Um, yeah, I. I is, probably, that, is it on the bench or is that? Well, uh, kind of both, to be honest. Where you know you, you kind of get needled a little bit during uh, COVID and during the stress of that. I mean, I'm the and I'm not and I'm, I'm just throwing this out there where. You know, I'm the only mayor that's had the amount of death threats I've had, uh, who's actually had a plot to kidnap and kill me. Like, that was, it's a weird way to get on CNN, by the way. Um, you know, uh, it, it, I, I was literally slandered by elected officials who hired actresses to say things that were untrue. And so I think my, there has been a times in which, uh, that's gotten under my skin, some of this, this stuff that we've seen, uh, particularly when it comes to my family. Uh, and I think that there are moments when um, uh, I'm not proud of when, when it comes to um, showing frustration uh, at certain times. Uh, however, the majority of that uh, usually is can be linked to my first two years. And I feel like I've grown from it now to the extent where, uh, and I hate to say this, but almost nothing bothers me at, at this point, right? Like you kind of been through it all uh, with COVID, with, with the max grounding. Um, you know, just this last week, we, we or last two weeks, we navigated a strike, uh, got through it. Um, we, you know, we navigated uh, automobilia. Uh, we had to come up with a compromise for that that also protected our small businesses in the area. Um, so, you know, we, we navigated a, um, a mass shooting that just happened. I mean, it's one of those things where when you're mayor, uh, you're always on. You are always on. And I think that um, 
with the toxicity and social media and some of the other stuff that, that we have seen in the last few years that has been different than the previous years, um, you know, I, I, I'm not always perfect uh, with my responses, uh, both online, on a bench, and in other areas. So uh, it's stuff I'm working on that, that I want to be better at, of course, uh, and, and I feel like I have been. But I will say um, my regrets are usually um, if, if I've gotten if I misread a situation and showed frustration uh, and then look back and think that that was not necessary. Uh, that's probably my, my top regrets is how in some of those situations. I've listened to six other candidates who want to take your job talk about you. What do you have to say about your competition for in the primary? I mean, I have nothing to say, really. I mean, you know, good for them. Um, you know, frankly, this job isn't about an individual. It's not about me, and it's frankly not about them. This is about ideas in the future of Wichita. And, you know, and this isn't a personality contest. Like, and that's the other thing is I kind of chuckle when my opponents talk about my personality or say, talk about, well, he's bad at certain relationships or he's this or that. And a lot of times it's because you can't talk about um, – us crashing the budget because we didn't. You can't talk about us cutting services that people uh, wanted because we didn't. Uh, we are literally in historical uh, territory when it comes to not only economic growth and opportunity, but even job training, uh, even making sure people have the resources to pivot and, and you know make the most out, out of this new change in economy. But but your opponents would say that's not something that you did it's some, it's the circumstances of covid coming up oh yeah COVID. it's all magic it all just it's all then i'm just a lucky charm i how guess much, i guess the, uh, the, tell, the, tell me how much credit you think you should get for where we are historically well again um everything that i talk about is stuff that we have not only pursued at, at the city level uh, you know utilizing our connections with the state and also with nonprofits, but we put our money where our mouth is uh, you know, we're leading the state in economic growth and development. Um, you know, you can say that, oh, Whipple shouldn't be responsible for Novatech leaving South, Car South California and relocating the headquarters here. Well, I was in a room when that happened. You know, I, I was in a room uh, having conversations uh, with, with these big businesses before they relocated. Um, you know, I, I'm the first mayor to have a small business uh, advisory council. So I'm on the forefront of what they were struggling through with COVID. And then we made policy adjustments. Uh, you know, so I, I think that would be warranted uh, if we didn't make the policy adjustments, if we didn't make the changes uh, that actually led to the success. I think that if there wasn't, uh, again, if we weren't following the data that says, if you do this, this is the success that you'll see, and then also making strategic investments uh, with uh, not just ARPA funds, but CARES Act, uh, you know, I, I don't think that you could say that we would be where we are. And, and that's also a weird thing, I think, for any candidate who's running for mayor to assume that this position is so powerless, to assume that this position is so worthless that no matter what you do, you can't influence the economy. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely 100% disagree, and that's because I've been doing this for 10 years, and I've seen what smart, smart policy could do when it comes to creating opportunities. So it's interesting, and my opponents will also tell you, and I get it, it's politics, that I'm responsible for everything that's gone bad, but I uh, have no, no responsibility when things that go good. And that's just politics, but it's not reality. And again, like, I, I'm focused on reality more than I am political rhetoric. Um, all six candidates that we've talked to, by definition, think they would like to get rid of you, of course. But some of them have also said they would like to see Bob Layton go as, as city manager. Where do you stand on that? You've been critical of him. So the role of mayor is to make things work. Okay, like it's not to go in and be a tough guy and start firing people or trying to flex. Um, you know, I haven't had the thing with, with our city manager is a couple of things. Well, one, he works at the discretion of the majority of the council, not a mayor. Uh, so you got to actually exercise leadership among the council if you want to get stuff done. And that's not always, uh, you know, that's a lot of background relationships and, you know, making sure that um, people know that even when you disagree, it's not personal. Uh, and if you can do that, you can keep us on track on getting things done, which the manager comes alongside and helps with that. Now, I do think it's somewhat cowardly, to be quite honest. And that might be a strong word, but when I was in the legislature, there was a guy who uh, he was basically the master of our educational funding formula. He was one of the few who truly knew what the K through 12 educational funding formula did and was. 
And he was just mercilessly attacked by the Senate president, uh, by Chris Kobach, by just the governor, people who are the most powerful political forces in the entirety of the state lined up against this employee just because he knew what he was talking about. And I will tell you, that guy did not sign up for this. He he does not have a super PAC. He's not doing ads. He doesn't have Twitter followers. He just sat there and took it. And it was shameful for elected officials to go after an employee who has no, no ability to fight back. And when I see people dragging Bob Lee in or dragging our staff into these conversations, I gotta tell you, it's because they're too afraid to take a shot at me. You're up against me and my political uh, supporters, not Bob Lee, and leave our employees alone. And that's my, that's how I feel about that, is if you don't like the way the city's going to buck stops with me, I'm not like other mayors where I'm gonna blame staff for my failures. Uh, and you know, I, I, I would like my opponents to refocus their energy on the person they're actually running against. Mayor Whipple, thanks for joining me. It's been an interesting hour. Heck of a way to stop. <laughs> and on a positive note, thank you for having me, by the way. <laughs> we do appreciate it. And if you are one of the final two after the primary, we look forward to having you back before the general. Oh, can't wait. And thanks a lot again for uh, the opportunity to uh, uh, talk and have this podcast and reach out to your uh, listeners. Thank you. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 321. I hope you've enjoyed our series of interviews with mayoral candidates. Now it's time for you to get out and vote. Early voting has begun, and the primary election day itself is Tuesday, August 1st. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy Hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thank you very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.